Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Happy November. Happy eclipse season. We're, we're on the other side of it for now. And today I have a brand new episode with Felicia. And this is all things related to pregnancy. So if you know anyone in your life who's pregnant, who's thinking about getting pregnant or you're pregnant, this is the podcast for you. This episode was recorded in early August. So I was still in my second trimester then, now in my third trimester, nearing the end of my pregnancy. And this episode is full of wisdom around sacred and divine pregnancy and the spiritual nature of pregnancy and just bringing a lot of awareness and attention to you as a woman, the feminine, the mysteries, you know, your womb space, the soul that's incarnating into physical form during your pregnancy. It's a very potent, nourishing, contemplative conversation with Felicia and it will leave you with deeper insights and some questions to sit with and contemplate and ask yourself and really empower you to have the pregnancy birth pregnancy journey that you want to have so let's dive into today's episode Welcome to the Unlearn Yourself Podcast. This is the place to discover and remember yourself as you unlearn who you have been taught to be. We will explore who your true self is by diving into your inner world and creating the most empowering, aligned, and free relationship with you and your life. found you a little backstory I found you uh May um you know Gigi Young right yes (laughs) she's like the only person I honestly have been trying to get in touch with her for like seven years she's the I, I can't even find her email bless her I mean I think that's brilliant that she's that private but um I she's the only I don't follow anyone for anything, but she is definitely like a a peer like teacher mm-hmm. to me who's really helped me yep. like manage a lot of thoughts and things. So I she's the only one I recommend out there. Yep, same, same. I've been following her for I don't know, since she was like on YouTube. I joined her. I follow I started following her in twenty fifteen. So I've I have seen the progression. And um and I did join her. I don't use it, but I'm on her like premium just mm-hmm. just because I wanted to support her. I was yeah, like, I'm not yeah, going to use yeah. this, but I was like, please here, yep, yep, thank yep, you. Yep. Me too, me too. Yeah. Um, and actually, it was through the her premium account that I found your interview with. I don't know how to pronounce this woman's name. Rogalisa. Marguerite Marguerite Regalioso. And I listened to that podcast episode. 
And then I was like, I like the way her voice sounds. I'm going to listen to more of her episodes. <laughs> and so I listened okay. to like, I think three or four of them. Um, I listened to, of course, the birthing ones, because then that's, that's the space I'm in. Oh, yes. I listened to the episode with someone that was amazing. Oh, I'm so glad you listened to that yeah, one. Um, I have like, the Mayan astrology one you just I have that one on my like docket to listen to still so so I like I kind of dived in a little bit and when I was listening to the feminine mysteries episode in all the interviews that you did with the the midwife and the the woman who had this orgasmic birth I was like I need to talk to you (laughs) were you pregnant when you yes and and you knew you were pregnant yeah, yeah, I was um, still my first trimester at the time. Okay. And um, and I was like, I need to talk to you because there's so much out there in terms of pregnancy. And, well, there isn't what I'm looking for out there in terms of pregnancy. <laughs> and I felt like you could be a really good person to go to to talk to about that. Absolutely. Um, you know, and I kind of wanted to... I don't know where this episode is going to go because I, I like to work in flow and kind of see what comes through and what the conversation, how the conversation unfolds. But I just want to start by asking just a fun few questions mm-hmm. um, is what's your sun, moon and rising? Um, so I don't know if you, you probably, so my background, even before being a doula is as an astrologer. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you're just like speaking to my heart when you ask that question. My son is Leo. My moon is Capricorn, but it's conjunct Uranus and Neptune. So it's kind of an interesting moon. So moon and Capricorn and then Scorpio rising. And I really do feel like this perfect, I feel like an absolute 50-50 blend of my Leo Scorpio. I don't know what I'm more of. Um, yeah, they feel completely blended for me. Oh, happy birthday, Leo! Oh, thank you, thank you. What's um, yours? Mine's okay. I have. I we have something similar right away. So I'm an Aquarius Sun. Love it. <laughs> Sagittarius Rising, Capricorn Moon conjunct oh. Uranus and Neptune as well. Okay, what what? What year are you? Are you 91? I'm 89. Oh, 89. Mm-hmm. Cool. Oh, yeah. So you must be in like the early degree of Capricorn, like one or two degrees or something. Yeah, it's in the, well, it depends on what system you look at through. I don't know what yeah, system yeah. you work through, Placidus or whole sign Placidus, system. yeah. It's in that, it's in the first house, the, the whole sign system, it's the second house, but yeah. I actually don't know many people who have Capricorn moons. So this is, I always love meeting fellow Capricorn moons. Oh yeah. I think it's a very misunderstood sign. Um, like, yeah, I really like Capricorn, but it's nice to have this conjunction too with those two planets because that really makes it almost like this Pisces Aquarian blend thing happening. It makes it super like mystical and you're not as like, practical as like a Capricorn tends to be 
Right. Because everyone's like, oh, you're a Capricorn. You're probably so stoic with your emotions. I'm like, no, oh, like, I, feel, I feel them so deeply. Me too. Me too. I don't know if it's that Neptune Uranian energy with it or if that's because I don't know if all Capricorn moons are that way, but definitely us with that conjunction for sure. Yeah, and I'm also yeah. a projector. I don't know much about human design, but I heard you talking about it on your podcast and I was like, me too. Of course you are. Of course you are. <laughs> Um, what words would you use to describe yourself? Maybe just this season of life where you are currently, whatever, whatever comes to you. Curious. Curious, emotional. I know that's, but that's just my season right now. It might change. Curious, student, serious as well. And diligent and calm mm. <laughs> that's me in my season right now but the, you know in two months I could be like wow I'm super silly and yeah yeah but I think curious is really where I'm at I'm really trying to just um go through life like an experiment <laughs> mm, that's a beautiful way to go through it's how that's helping my seriousness not be so serious yeah I, I resonate with the serious I can be very serious yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm also super silly. It's like de- my insides are really serious, but my exterior is very silly. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Okay. So how did you, I guess it's like the, this is like a big question. It's, it's like a big loaded question, but let's just, you can answer it however you want to answer it. Cool. What, like, what made you want to be a birth keeper or like, I like to say like the feminine, the feminine path or yeah, the feminine path. Yeah, like what what was the catalyzing force or what was what was what was the guidance behind it for you? Yeah, I didn't even know what a doula was until like my mid 20s and I had a friend, just one friend who became one, but I would say even even before that as a child I was always like you know, some people have gender dysmorphia. I have the opposite of that. I have <laughs> gender euphoria maybe I was just like so (laughs) I was was so happy every day I woke up happy that I was a girl I think I was just it just really felt like oh yeah this is correct in me not that of course there's the pain of being a woman that comes with being a woman but I was always just like like I I feel powerful in the feminine that's where I feel my power and um and I get, I'm giving my mother a lot of credit for this because despite how different we are probably now, there are definitely some similar, I'm definitely my, my mother's daughter for sure, even though we're very different. Um, she really celebrated m- my period when I got it for the first time, Menarch, when I was like 11 or 12, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, she was just like, yes, yeah. she like took me out. And like, that was the first response. And I think and also she would talk about her birth with me, which was a natural like six hour birth. And the way she talked about it was like, it was the coolest thing I've ever done. I couldn't believe I did it. And so that was always in my mind since I was young. So she really like, I really have to give my mother a lot of credit for these little things that she did, but the way she spoke about them, it was always positive. All the things that happened to the female body were always a positive, exciting privilege Mm -hmm. Um, even though she didn't talk about it all the time, but it was enough that that was in me. That was my, my, 
that was inside of me. So I think moving forward, like I was doing a lot of art and writing and, and then I, I was on birth control for many years, like from age 15, I think until I was like 23, 24, 23 or 24. Yeah. 23, I think which is crazy to think about now, had I really understood what I was, I'm glad I had it then because I was definitely not responsible, but um, I had this experience with my, I had switched from the pill to the IUD. It was only in me for a few months because I was like, get this out of me right now. And it was such a traumatizing experience getting it in And then it really, like, I felt like I couldn't explain it. It wasn't even like my physical body changed a little bit after I got it in ways that I didn't like. Like my skin, I had, I had never had acne. I was getting like a bit of, and it was so weird. And I felt like I wanted to escape my body. And I felt like when that procedure was done, that there was this, this voice that came from my womb. Literally, I I literally heard it inside my head, it with my inner ears saying, why did you do that to me? Mm-hmm. So I really had to sit with that for a few months. And when I got it out, I sort of switched. It was like, I'm never touching birth control again. Like, listen, it's a choice. And if people want to get it, I it's fine. Everything's a choice. But um, no way, not for me now. Um, so when I took it out, I really felt like all these pieces of myself came back to me and I felt like I was in my, I was happy to be in my body again. And I was, I felt my sexuality more strong and clear and, um, and I felt my intuition stronger and clear. And I just felt this like inner body, um, sort of psychic spiritual connection to myself that had been gone for a while. Mm -hmm. And so my art sort of changed toward like menstrual art and collecting women's stories. And I just, the passion of like feminine started to really come up again. Not that it was ever gone, but um, it really started to become like quite an interest. And then, yeah, I had some, I had some interesting experiences of feeling like I could be a mother in this life, even though I wasn't feeling it in that moment. I had some interesting psychic vision sort of experiences um, that were really strong. And after that, I was like, birth. I think I'm going to do that one day. I should just learn about it. That's where it started. So so I went on Instagram (laughs) I went on podcasts and I just didn't stop from there. I was ordering books on Amazon and it got to the point where I just thought this was like something I was interested in, like how astrology started for me. I was just, it was just a passion. I just couldn't stop consuming information about the subject. So I just went crazy with the birth stuff. And I was almost like a closeted birth fiend because like I wasn't trying to have a baby in that moment. So I didn't want to like, confuse like people who would if they saw how much I was reading about it and how much I was listening like they would have been like are you okay? Mm. So then yeah, then I had some I had like a really quite a difficult breakup, life changes and in that like crazy 
like tower card moment of my life or like everything, like honestly within the day that everything started shaking up, I was so overwhelmed in my experience that I was like, I have to do something. I have to do something. And then I was like, I'm just, I have to go to a doula training. I, I think that's what I have to do because I was like looking at all the books on my shelf and everything. And I was like, I think I need to do this. I need to like actually just go to a training if I already have read all these books. So usually there was like only two trainings a year and usually they had a wait list and there happened to be one the next week with one spot available. Wow. And I was like, oh, boom. I literally call. I like, I think I was at work and I like went to the bathroom and called up. I was like, can you sign me up right now? Here's my credit card. Take all my money. Like, I'm going to do this. I was like, Meanwhile, I'm like crying because my life is falling apart. And I was like, <laughs> and, um, and so I, and even then I had no ambition of like, this is my life path. I, I don't think maybe this is a projector thing. I don't know much about human design, but I don't think about like, I just follow like the passion, right? Mm -hmm. So I was just, I was just in such utter despair, emotional despair in my life over like personal things that were going on and breakups and changes and uh, that I was like just something to get my mind off of it. That was it. Mm -hmm. And so when I was there, it was amazing. And I thought, okay, maybe I'll go to like three births. I should definitely go to a birth this year and wasn't really thinking beyond that. And then the one pregnant girl in the group asked me to be her doula. And then like loads of people, I don't even remember how it happened. Like just people started, I didn't even, like I hardly even made a website and already like two agencies had contacted me because a friend, like I literally did not lift a finger and it was just like, this is your path. Yeah. So I was kind of like, okay. And I thought I would only go to like three births if I was lucky. And I think I went to like 15 that year mm. or something. And even then I was holding back. I could have gone to 25, I think, but I, I wanted to like take care of my nervous system. So yeah, that's how, that's how the birth world began. But I would say even now, it's just like I see myself as a midwife for the feminine, yeah. but also for all people, like just being there for people going through intensity. Like I, I feel this archetype of the midwife in me and it it's not just in birth. It's in anything that anyone could be going through and just being there yeah. in that way. And I think just embodying the divine feminine in all my interactions and all my all the things that I do I think is just sort of my way and I I also had um yeah I also had many experiences growing up where I've always had a really strong relationship to other women I I I'm not kidding when I say this I don't think I've ever met a woman I don't like. Maybe a few wow. I can think. And like, okay, maybe some people I'm neutral. But I, I honestly look at every woman. Like this is since I was little. And I have a few other friends who have this energy too. And a lot of us have very strong female friendships of all different ages. I just 
whenever like every woman I see I honestly see it sounds so cheesy I really see something I admire in every woman I see I didn't always have that with men though I always had I I didn't have negative feelings toward men just completely neutral I was just not amazed by them but not disappointed I was like okay whatever so recently I've sort of learned to try to see that in the masculine try to see the because seeing the goddess is very easy for me to see Mm. in basically everyone so I think it was really natural for me to be in in feminine spaces and I I feel really close connections to women in my life um and I feel that there's this like sisterhood I've sort of weaved together in my life all over the world having traveled and doing birth work in different countries and um and also not like lots of friends who are not birth workers and I I honestly feel like there's a seat for every woman at that table even if she's not connected to her feminine I I really feel that so that's beautiful that's beautiful wow I love how everything was so organic for you it was it was and maybe that I I honestly feel like there was you know I mean I'm speculating well not speculating some is memory but definitely a a few past lives that I remember were in very feminine spaces Mm. in different like pre, like I was really with women in like convents and, and uh, mystery schools. And so I think I'm just getting chills. You talking about it. Yeah. I think it's really natural for me to be in um, all women's spaces. It's very normal for me. Wow. 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 Um, What are, because you said you were diving into so much. I want to just like take it bit by bit everything that you yeah. said what were some of the resources that you were like this these are great resources for, for women who are currently pregnant or going mm. to be pregnant yeah so in birth um so like tangible resources I would say because I also have like things that I think are really good for pregnant women that aren't like necessarily physical resources but um yeah, I think I really liked listening to birth stories. It actually started for me with Free Birth Society and I'm not I'm not like their biggest fan now at all and I think they're really good for some people. It's like whatever floats your boat. Uh they're not really my boat anymore, but they have some amazing birth stories that really got me really excited and really made me trust birth. So good on them. Um, Indie Birth, Indie Birth Podcast, Indie Birth Society. I mean, Indie Birth, not Society. Indie Birth Podcast, Indie Birth. I don't know if there's another word after that. Yeah, I think that's it. Association. Um, They're really great. And I think all the books by Ina Mae Gaskin. So like um, Guide to Childbirth, Spiritual Midwifery. Those are really my go-to. There's also some like, there's evidence-based birth, which is like a really good resource list for like um, just getting the facts if you're really sciencey and you really want to understand the the more science stuff. And they're really they're really well put together. Their articles have like a whole summary at the bottom if you don't even want to go through it. Yeah. I think those are my oh, there's my oh, I should shout out my friend because he has an amazing podcast. The um. The Holistic OBGYN, Dr. Nathan Riley, shout out to him. He's a dear friend and um, his podcast is amazing. 
Yeah. I was actually listened to his podcast with you. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the resources, but I think really the most important thing for women, I even want to like take it back for before getting pregnant. Like if you're showing up pregnant being like, what I do, fine, go into the books, go into the podcasts, have fun, take care of yourself, meditate, enjoy your life for sure. But if you're someone who's not pregnant yet, who thinks that could be in the cards for them one day, I I mean, I would even start this with young girls around Menarch, to be honest, which is just get, get in touch with your sexuality, what it means, and what it means to share that. I can't speak for anyone of like, you know, we all have a different relationship to that. But to me, it's so sacred, mm-hmm. like so much more sacred than any any corner of society will ever tell you. In fact, I think society and what we've grown up with has it all backwards, at least for me. It's all wrong for me. Um, so to really get in touch with who you're sharing your energy with and in what way you're sharing that energy with yourself, I think that is the foundation for for life, whether you want to be a mother or not, especially if you're going to, you know, conceive a child and grow that child in your womb. And yeah, I think that is the resource is our own sexuality. Yeah. Um, it was interesting because I was thinking about this. Um, I totally agree with you about sacred sex and sacred partnership and who you exchange that energy with. It's so I mean, I feel like the way we are with it is like so frivolous and so like, yeah, whatever. But like, if you really just sit back and look at what you're doing, and I read this somewhere, and I don't know if this is true, but apparently every person that you have sex with as a woman, you you exchange that partner's DNA. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And... Like, and just the way it's just so like nonchalant and kind of like, this is cool or whatever. I'm just like, no, like there's obviously something that's not being told or like the real, the real truth about it that, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, even just like people don't understand because we're like right now you're pregnant and it's not like your mind is going, now I'm going to take this cell and that cell and that's going to create the next, but like, you don't have to think about it with your conscious mind, but like you realize just the act of having you made love with your partner that one time literally opened a portal for a soul (laughs) to Come in, come in to your body and take form and come in, in and, and, and come in very fast. This soul came in so fast. Yeah. <laughs> like you realize that act can do, can literally open dimensions. True. Right. And imagine if you're not conceiving a child, it's still opening those dimensions. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. So yeah, I, I can't, I don't know how it is for men. I'm not a man. I think they're also a lot more sensitive and I think they also do receive a lot of energy as well. There's an exchange, but there is something about the woman being sort of the recept- receptacle. Is that mm-hmm. the word? Yeah. Um, and the bridger between yeah. those worlds. And um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think society just tells us it's this act 
and it's just this thing that you do. And it it is. That's okay. Like if that's what works for you and you're fine with that, that's okay. But I think anyone who is sensitive enough to energy will know that that's not true. Mm-hmm. That actually you could sleep with someone once and be telepathically and karmically connected to them for years in ways that we don't understand. I think sex, the the sexual act is really the thing that we do in the physical that is the bridger of all the dimensions and all the unseen worlds. Mm-hmm. It like There's no thing you can do in the physical world. Maybe sometimes take a lot of hallucinogenic drugs, sometimes meditate really deeply. That could do it too. But I think there's nothing like the sexual act that will bridge all those worlds. And if you're not ready for that and not aware, I think the most important thing is just knowing, does my body say yes to this? Because I think we think a lot of times that we consent in our mind. Yeah, yeah, I said yes. And it's fine. But there's times where your body's been violated because you said yes, but you're, and you knew you're like, oh, but I don't really want to. It could even be with your husband who you love, you know? Mm-hmm. But there's still a violation taking place. And that's not, I'm not blaming that person at all. I'm just saying we have to be super aware of like our yes and no on all the levels. Mm-hmm. I remember, and I don't know if this was in some podcast I was listening to of yours, you said that sexual energy is like atomic energy. Yeah, I think that was with someone in um, episode nine of my podcast, which you can put in the show notes if you have the chance so people can know what we're referencing. Yes, it will but be. Yeah. yeah, it's atomic. I mean, it literally opens portals and dimensions. There's n- like there's nothing you can do that's going to create life. Like I could meditate all day. I could take gallons of ayahuasca. I could, nothing, none of that's going to create a, a person. None of it's going to create life and none of it's going to create also sexual alchemy inside. So, <laughs> you know, we're, this is like a life creating thing. Um, it's very strong energy. And I think just that I think the one thing we're missing societally is we've developed the mind and the intellect almost to an extreme. And we are so... <sighs> ignorant when it comes to sexual energy and a lot of society has hyper intellectualized it where it's all about consent and kinks and this position feels good which is like fine but like what we're opening dimensions here mm-hmm. <laughs> like like can we talk about this <laughs> I, I i think i think that also there's no like education or even awareness around like the spiritual nature of it all Right. right. It's, it's just seen as a physical thing. Right. And I remember like even as kids, you know, either you get some something in school where they're like, okay, you're going to grow pubic hair and smell bad, use deodorant, and you're going to want to have sex too. And we're like, what? Use protection. Like, you know, these really like, okay, these things in school. And then maybe you were lucky enough that your parents sat you down like my parents did. And they were like, this is sex. And this makes babies and it's also pleasurable. The end, which is also (laughs) fine. Like, thank you for telling me that as well. But, but like, what about, you know, what about like the, the deeper aspects of it or when, you know, I think children are really aware of sexual energy 
and also can really, um, they can, um, what's the word? Experiment with it themselves as well. And I think being able to have these like really, you know, I imagine if I had a child, I would tell them that there's like this sacred energy that runs through us. You know, I think there's this education can start before and, you know, talking about that it's really special and that it's really beautiful and that it's really powerful. Mm -hmm. It's a power that needs to be wielded correctly. And, um, and it also belongs to you. Um, so I think really starting this education, like as I would start with women who are, you know, in men are young girls who are getting their periods, I would start that conversation then. Um, yeah, cause then people show up as teenagers and they have no idea what can, cause the hormones are going wild. Everything's wild and it's fine. I've been there, you know, but like there's no context, you know, for any deeper aspect of it. What was what would be like the one thing you would say would be a good place to start trying to get education around it? Oh, wow, that's a different because that's a really interesting question for me because my whole experience has been a realization at different points in my life, probably since I was young, of realizing nobody outside of me had the answer around sexuality. I was really, I was like, there's something to this. I knew it since I was young and it would hit me in in hard, in uh, more intense stages at different points in my life through different experiences, especially, oh my God, to the extreme in the last two, three years, the last three years, especially. But even when I was younger, I was like, what is this? Like you, so I almost felt like, no one knew. And, and as I got older, I was sort of looking through like Tantra books and different stuff. And I still felt like nobody knew the answer. I still felt like people were talking about how to have like really amazing glorified orgasms or which is fine. And also could be really healing for some people. I'm not, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not taking away from that, but I was like, no one's telling me like, I I feel there's a spiritual science behind this that like no one knows. And either people are 1000% ignorant to it, which I think a lot of people are, although I think people are starting to pick up on it now, or like no one knows. And then finally, like, especially connected to this episode nine with my friend, someone he introduced, he and his partner introduced sexual alchemy and white tantra and lots of other subjects to me. And it, I was like, bing, got it. Um, and that was for me, you know, it might be different for different people. Um, but I think as women, yeah, just really getting in touch with your sexuality with yourself first, even if it's just your sensuality, I think Mm -hmm. that's a really important stage, I think. And a lot of women don't, don't do that or don't know that or, yeah. Well, it's interesting because I think for me, it started with being soft, softness is how it started Mm -hmm. with myself, just being softer to myself. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that kind of opened layers for me Mm -hmm. because it wasn't immediately, let's just go to the connection with my sexual energy. But it was like in the way that I was perceiving and treating myself started to open that up for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's like getting in touch with the feminine energy. I think getting in touch with your feminine energy naturally will get you in touch with your sexual energy. I think the more you connect to your womb, Mm -hmm. to your menstruation, 
to other women in circle, I think the more, like, I almost think it will be a natural thing to be able to connect to your sexuality. Let's, you know, getting out of these hyper intellectual spaces of like, um, I don't even know what it's called. Like people who are like, you know, learning how to do different kinky things or learning about consent, which is all really cool and great. But they're hyper intellectual. And I think just women sitting down in a space with women and that being a part of their life somehow will will naturally create a sort of sacredness around their womb, mm-hmm. which is the seat of our sexuality along with uh, the seat of a lot of things, the seat of our vitality, the seat of our creativity. Yeah, um, I, I yeah. love that you said that. I mean, before I even conceived, I know I spent many years getting really intimate with my menstrual cycle. Mm, right? Yeah. Because how was it growing up for you? Were you in touch with it? Well, so it's interesting. I come from a culture. So this is this is just, I mean, I'm from India. Hinduism is the religion that I was born into. Mm. Um, and we worship goddesses. Okay. Yeah. The divine mother. Right. And it's everywhere. And Tantra yeah. is everywhere. And like yeah. sex positions on these temple carvings is yeah. everywhere. Yet women are, you know, seen dirty at the t- that time of the month. Or I remember my mom would tell me that I couldn't go to the temple. I couldn't touch the food she was cooking. Like I was dirty. Uh-huh. And my blood was dirty and I shouldn't like touch it. I should just try to discard it as much as I can. So it was like this very like very negative, it was seen as a bad thing as a menstruating woman. Right. Yeah, and but same, yeah, in a lot of cultures. Yeah. And so there was like this confusion in me that's like, wait, this happens to me every month, but I'm supposed to like pretend like it doesn't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) right and just kind of move on with life and I think when as I was getting older what bothered me is that the world doesn't revolve around a menstruating woman like you just kind of have to (laughs) it should though no yeah like you you kind of you kind of have to just get up that morning and you want to just sleep more you need more rest or you just need (sighs) like cuddles I love cuddles when I'm menstruating yeah and you have to kind of go and do your thing and pretend like you're not on your period or something that really bothered me I mean it didn't bother me to the point where it created like this disassociate disassociation with me but it wasn't until like my early early to mid-20s that I realized like I want to have a different relationship with this yeah you know and it's and and then I kept hearing stories of so many women having so many issues with their hormones and reproductive organs how they were getting like these types of cancers and I was like what's going on here right like what is what is happening and like the feminine is dead in society so obvious and so for me I just as I was diving into my own spirituality at that point it was just another layer that opened up it's like okay I'm gonna get very into my menstrual cycle I'm gonna look at it I'm gonna stare at it I'm going to know what's happening I'm going to know exactly when I'm ovulating, what my body's doing at what time, um, charting with the moon. So I believe, I bleed actually with the full moon mm-hmm. and the new moon is when I'm um, ovulating, which is interesting because with this baby, I conceived with um, the new moon rather than mm. with the full moon. So I knew, I knew everything. So by the time I was ready to become a mother, I knew exactly 
when yeah. it was time. On on a physical sense, I knew what was happening to my body, but when the baby came, I knew exactly, like I, I was ready, you know? So there wasn't this, it was just so like, I was doing the <laughs> dance and the baby was doing the dance with me. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, for, there is a mystery behind it all, which is like some people just doesn't happen for them no matter what, or, but I think usually it just does if you're, especially if you like know what, like, it's if you're healthy spiritually emotionally in a good partnership physically of course there is mystery sometimes and it doesn't but it's just bam like it will be that month that you try you know I see a lot of people oh could you take us a few months I'm like I don't know anyone who it took them more than two or three cycles who was like in a healthy max you know, no, I, I agree with what you said, because I that's how I was going in. I was like, Oh, you know, it'll take us like six months, <laughs> give it a give it a year. I had seen the midwife like literally two days before. And she was like, <laughs> yeah, and a year is great. No, one try one time. Yeah, one one go at it. That's how it is for most people that I talk to. And these are women who have been in touch with this energy for a while with their menstrual cycle and with all that stuff. So um, yeah, I think it's just when the conditions, the soil, you know, you have land that you're going to garden. When you've been working with that soil and putting nitrogen and nice manure and all this stuff on it and it's in the perfect place and it's quite moist, when you plant a seed, it's probably going to work. I mean, you could have a bad seed too, but when you plant a seed, it's not that hard. The plant's going to grow. And I'm sensitive and realize that that's not the case for everyone and there's a journey in that for those people as well there's some interesting journey going on there but for the most part mm-hmm. good soil good seed a plant's gonna grow yeah. you don't usually have to try many times <laughs> i mean this process i mean you know you 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 hear of magic and i think if you're if you are in let's just say you've been studying spirituality and you have been in this world and this is your life or whatever, you, you see that there is magic that exists, but like to be pregnant, to be like, dude, magic is real yeah. <laughs> in, in, in such a potent way. And you feel like I wake up every day and I'm like, I'm magical. I'm a portal. Like my, I am a holy woo. <laughs> yeah. And that's how this is like my dream is that women get pregnant who who want to get pregnant. I think more wanted pregnancies, less unwanted ones. And I think that a lot of that will come down to creating a more sacred connection to our sexuality. I know that's not the case for everyone, but I'm just saying if the whole world does, there will be more wanted, less unwanted, just as a whole. And um, yeah, but I, I that's how I want every woman to feel is when she's pregnant, it's not, ooh, I'm so large. I want her to be like, I'm the sexiest I've ever been I'm the happy, like, I'm just literally glowing. I am in my, I'm at the peak moment of my, my body is peaking right now. Like it is doing its peak performance of everything, spiritually, emotionally, physically. So like you being able to say this on your first pregnancy, that's also what I want. A lot of people have traumatizing first pregnancies and then, or uh, first births and then good second. Let's not even go to a traumatizing first birth. Let's have an amazing first pregnancy first birth amazing mm-hmm. like feel great the whole time why anything else than that and again just bringing this back 
to connecting this to our sexuality. That is the foundation of it all, I really think. Um, what yeah. can, I, this is a question I had for you. What do you think? Because I've been thinking about this. Right now, there's me and there's my auric field and like all these layers and multidimensional kajal, you know, and all these dimensions. And then there's me in this physical form. And right now, there's this soul incarnating into my mm-hmm into this into my womb and you know the baby is you know halfway through the pregnancy at this point so the human form has taken shape at this point mm-hmm. and I'm I was like curious like how is this soul interacting with my soul beyond just the physical level mm-hmm. like what's happening on multi on a multi-dimensional level with like our higher selves our guides and I was because I can feel like I can viscerally feel like before I was pregnant, when I was in a room alone, I was in a room alone. It was just me and my energy. And now I'm like, there's someone here. There's someone, there's someone here, but I, they're not like, I can't, I, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like a sensing thing rather than like a seeing thing. There's someone here and the someone here is the, the soul that this, that, this, that is this baby. And I was just curious, like, what's your take on what's happening in like that very spiritual sense? That's interesting. I would also love to hear what what your thoughts are there. Mine, I think for everyone it's different. I think the the my understanding through some direct experience and some speculation around that is that the the child, well, it depends. The child is either pulled into the womb through pure karma, like they're pulled. I don't even know if they have much in-between lives or much choice. It's like karma weaves them and the choice is made through cosmic law. But then I think some souls have a little bit more liberty depending on what kind of work they've done in their past lives. Um, This is my experience and my memory of it for myself is that – I had more liberty and more choice. So, or there could be more liberty and more choice and there's more. So I think you're either pulled here, which again, I'm not saying bad or good, or you really choose to come on a more conscious level. But either way, you have things to do either way. Um, so I think it really depends on the karma between the mother and the child. The... I don't want to go hierarchical, but like the amount of work the the soul of the incoming child has done in past lives, um, their mother, their mother's preparation, their karmic relationship to their mother. So I think there's like a lot of levels going on there, which also play out in the birth um, and postpartum. But I I do feel like the birth is a little bit more on the mother to prepare but um yeah and I think you know they could be around you might have like a contract with them I think there's still free will and everything but um you may have a contract with them that you signed before you were even born or many generations before or it could be more up in the air but I think that they could be around you for a while or since you were a child Mm -hmm. and they might just show up in the moment and 
I think in the beginning, especially the first trimester, they're much more in spirit than they are in physical. And I think as they physically take more form, their consciousness gets more and more imbued in their body. But I think sort of like second, third trimester, it's just like a meditating person who Mm -hmm. sometimes moves. I feel like they're just in months long meditation, kind of getting all the information that they need on another level. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what I think. So I think as their body's taking form, so too are they imbuing their consciousness, weaving their spirit into the physical form as much as their body is formed i sort of see it as like a a direct connection um but yeah i do think it's quite individual between the mother and the child interesting um i was there's a few things i was reading because i was like really curious about this that the consciousness of the mother really determines the consciousness of the child she conceives i think sometimes yeah but yeah continue Um, And I was like, and I was like, I don't know if that's true, because (laughs) I don't think my mom was (laughs) my mom and I have very different levels of consciousness and our paths are very different. Um, So I was like, it doesn't make sense how she gave birth to someone like me. So I was like, maybe it's not so black and white like that. The other thing that really I was thinking about was you were talking about the moonlock. And I know that I've heard Gigi talk a lot about the moonlock and when one of her um, videos she was talking about uh souls that are incarnating at this time on earth how they're either coming in through the moonlock with the karmic loop like still in the illusion Mm. and otherwise or their souls coming in who have liberated are liberated from that the the moonlock grip or the the force of the moon Mm -hmm. i thought that was really interesting the whole idea of the moonlock and how that's i wanted i wanted you to talk about that Yeah, this is such a subject that comes up so much. And also, my friend, someone from my episode nine, he wrote an awesome essay. There's this app that he's made, and there's this awesome essay that he's written that's in that app. I can also send you the link to that. Um, called, I think it's called Working with the Moon. And he just wrote an amazing, it's like six pages long and it's brilliant. So I really recommend people check that out. Um, I also have a friend. He has a quite a popular YouTube channel, Astral Doorway, and he talks about the moon as well. And I'll try to find that video as well. Um, but yeah, his YouTube channel is called Astral Doorway, my friend Gene. But anyways, my take is that um, if we're reincarnating and we have not completely freed the essence from the ego, egos, we are subject to the moon, the mechanical laws of nature. And anyone reincarnating is subject to the moon. In fact, we're subject to all of our planets. But basically, in in um, spiritual development, you want to create your own inner psychological moon. So rather always being swayed by I'm hungry and I'm going to eat this food or I'm going to like you create your own center of gravity inside. But I think most people here, including myself, even people who have done a lot of work along with people who have not done much work Mm -hmm. in their progress, we have to go through the moon. We, you can't really get out of the moon unless you create 
a strong force in this lifetime, which masters do, but most people don't. So we are kind of recycled through the moon, but I think also you could see it in astrologically and probably in other ways that I actually don't quite understand yet, but um, we all have a relationship to the moon. And I think depending on when you're born and conceived and what's going on with the lunar and how that relates to other parts of your chart will show you, do you have quite more freedom within the moon or not? Um, but I think it's that mechanical, it's the thing that, you know, one day you're having a good day, then you're having a bad day. It's like the tides of life. Um, so that's, yeah, anyone reincarnating is subject to the moon. And all of us, pretty much all of us are reincarnating unless you're like conceiving some super high level. That does happen, which I talk about. There are people, but you could still be conceiving really advanced people who are still subject to the moon for mm -hmm. sure. I, I would hope that I would be one of those people and probably maybe a lot of your listeners. But also going back to what you said about your mother, it's really interesting. We don't always know, I think, how advanced our parents are because, you know, they're full. All of us on this planet are full of ego, mm -hmm. egos and subject to that. Um, and I think some parents like they take on a lot of karma and a lot of trauma so that their child doesn't. And they may, they might not heal that in their lifetime and they may still pass some over to their kid, but they may take an advanced child that they bear like a more advanced soul, but they actually incurred all the karma. Like they got all the abuse from, and they might give a little bit of that over to their kid for sure, but they might've sort of put a dam there. And I think we don't know always what they're doing on a higher level um, with our parents, but that they may have made it some higher choices and maybe they're not healing or doing anything with that, but they may have made a sacrifice and taking on a lot more karma um, and then taking on an advanced soul, like may birth an advanced, a more advanced soul who may take on some of that karma, but knows that they could heal it. So it's like the parent is like the dam. Okay, I'm going to take on all this karma, like finish all this chain of abuse, pass a little bit on, but that person's the one who's going to heal it. And like, I actually think sometimes on a higher level, they're totally working together, even mm -hmm. if they don't get along on earth. So I think there's a lot of mystery there. Well, that's so interesting because I... I definitely feel like that. I feel like for me, I'm I'm setting up the dam right now with my, mm -hmm. with my in my family system because I've incurred so much trauma. And I was someone was looking at my astrology astrology chart, and they mm -hmm. said this is a lifetime of huge karma for you. Mm -hmm. I was like, of yeah. course, of course it is. Why would I want a simple simple life this lifetime. Let's put yeah. it all, let's put it all on the plate. And it kind yeah. of feels that way because there's this part of me when ever since like I conceived this child and I'm like becoming a mother and I'm like, you know, this, just this birth of a mother is going to happen. Days are counting down where I'm going to give birth to myself as a mother. I'm like, I feel something I'm, I've done something to get to this point where it's going to shift with the baby coming in. Um, mm -hmm. and so I actually feel that I'm, I'm doing that currently. That's what, that's what yeah. all this, the past, I would say like 12 years have been for me. Mm -hmm. um, and that's probably a huge sacrifice you've made with your connection to this child who's coming because they might have a big mission and you guys already decided you're like, look, okay, I'll, I'll do all this stuff. 
you come in, do your thing. It's kind of like this chain where like everyone's handing something over, but you know, it also is testament to you of how much you're able to take on and transmute because that transmutation turns into gold basically Yeah, in our our soul and crystallizes. So sometimes taking on a lot of karma is also a huge opportunity for massive amount of transmutation, which can also be a huge gift as well. It's not easy. No, no. And it's interesting because throughout this whole pregnancy, the thing that um, I keep, I've kept receiving is raise your vibration, raise your vibration, raise your vibration. Like since day one, yeah. And I was, and I've never felt so meticulously like, uh, like that in my radar, raise your vibration. But along with the raising my vibration, there's been so much fear that's come up in my system as well. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is that's still normal. Here. This is still here. And then there's these stories of like, what if I'm a terrible mother? What if I incur trauma on my child? Like all of those things are coming up. But then I look at my partner and my husband, who's amazing, and I'm like. No, he's got us. He's got us. Like, and it's just like this, like, like we're doing this dance, me and him. And then I'm sitting here and I'm like, I need to trust myself that I have alchemized. I have alchemized a lot of this darkness that's been in me for all these years. Um, and, And it's interesting how like the baby isn't even here yet, but it's like, I'm receiving messages already of where exactly I am and what, what mm-hmm. I'm, what I need to be doing right now to prepare for the actual physical birth. Mm-hmm. And they bring a lot of abundance. I've really seen people in dire situations in early pregnancy and like all of a sudden they have a house that they sign and all this crazy stuff. Like literally they bring like physical abundance. Mm-hmm. So they also know, they also want a certain amount of things set up for themselves as well. And if you don't have that in order, they'll find a way. It's like they got their guides in, their pure guides in, and they're like, oh, yeah, you're going to live there. And you're going to – I think they're actually setting up a lot of stuff as well. So it's kind of this nice – I mean, it's not like that for every pregnant person, but I've really seen them bring loads of abundance, which is amazing. That's interesting you say that because um, I conceived the baby when we, we were still living in Boulder. I didn't know at the time that I was pregnant. My my husband got a new job, so we moved to Seattle. And as soon as we came to Seattle, within a week, we found out that I was pregnant. And then immediately it was like, we can't be here. Why are we here? We need to leave. And now we're like setting up to leave. Yeah. I just feel like the baby is like orchestrating all of this, but in a way that like is so accelerated. Yeah. Yeah, they do that. They do that because now there's three in the mix, you know, and they may be setting up if there are future siblings as well. They may be setting up certain found the first child who comes in. Maybe you'll only have one. I don't know. But the first child really sets the tone for the other siblings. If there's going to be other siblings as well, they're kind of like the leader, the energetic leader in a way, I think, as well. Yeah, the the baby also has all their good karma on their back that they can use in the beginning to like set everything up, I think. Sort of goes like that. I mean, but some want a, a challenging situation too. So I, you know, I can't speak for everyone. Everyone's like, where's my car? I'm three <laughs> months pregnant and I can't, you know, I'm like, I don't know. I can't speak for everyone, but yeah. You know, I, I'm kind of backtracking a little bit, but I did want to just go back to this idea Sorry, it's like a total change of subject, but 
this idea that you mentioned, because I didn't get to say anything, but I was thinking about it, about the culture you grew up in and the, the menstrual being like a negative thing. Um, and I think also birth can be this thing where it's not negative, but it's like this thing you do in private in some cultures and like, it's a little bit, it's, I think it's generally respected in a lot of cultures, but it's more just like go do the problem is not the birth, not being respected. I think in a lot of cultures, it's more that like the postpartum is not respected. Mm -hmm. Like the mother's not witnessed. And I think this sort of goes back to this like menstrual shaming in a lot of cultures. And actually I, I do, there's nothing to the shaming. That's like absolutely bogus, but there is something to, it's not impurity in the idea that it's dirty. I think it's that this is my, this is like through my own experience understanding is that when the cervix opens um, and it opens a little bit for the blood to come, right? In menstruation, portals are open and the womb is cleaning itself out. So it's not dirt. It's super sacred, super beautiful, but all the darker energies have a time to flush out and the vital body is really low. So we're also more susceptible to negative energy. Like we really need our own cocooning space in that time because our wombs are open, the cervix is open and it's flushing all the things that we don't need out. And that goes spiritually. And so I think the cultures really had it wrong by calling it dirty and not calling it sacred, but I do understand wanting to separate it. I do understand this red tent energy. I do understand, at least for myself, not that it's dirty and you should just get rid of it. I think it needs to be like portals are open right now. Mm -hmm. Things are clearing out. You go take your you time mm -hmm. and like, I respect you. Like that's in, and cuddles and lots of hugs and women in a way should be served in this time. Like people make food, you know? So I think there was something to this like dirty thing, but they just got it all twisted and wrong through like ignorance. Mm. And I think that sort of carries over into the postpartum as well. Whether it's not like go erase yourself. It's like there needs to be a witnessing, like a quiet witnessing, I think of women who just went through that and they're so open after birth and their their bodies have just been completely blasted open their their hormones their the spiritual psychological everything has just been blasted open physically like literally milk is pouring out of their boobs blood is coming from their vagina who knows what else is going on mm -hmm. and um there needs to be that same but times a hundred tending and caring and witnessing mm. for the mother. But I also understand that separateness, like allowing her to keep herself not separate, like from her family, but like from outsiders, like she shouldn't be going to get the mail from the mailman, like, or going down the street to get milk. Like that shouldn't be, you know, I, I, I think that separateness should be respected consensually in the way that she would like it to be respected she should be at the center of all this yeah whether yeah. menstruating or postpartum yeah I resonate with what you're saying um yeah because I do think it's such a psychic time for a woman when she's menstruating and yeah. when and when she's pregnant to be honest it's like so yeah totally so um if the portals are open you know if the cervix is open the portal's open super interesting Okay, so what are what are a few things I want to say? Like, what are maybe your top three? Let's go with three 
things that you would tell a pregnant mother during her pregnancy that she could support herself. It doesn't matter if she's a first time mom or a second time mom, but just kind of some like, it could be tangible, it could be emotional, it could be spiritual on any level that would. I would like grab her and look her in the eyes and say, you deserve the birth and postpartum experience that you want. Mm. And I would like say it until she believes it. That would be the first thing because a lot of people say, I don't have money for this support or I don't have this. I totally believe if there's a will, there's a way the baby will bring that. Like you, there is a way like you want that. Just, you have to just believe it's possible no matter what your financial, your emotional start, no matter what you have to believe. I, I did a birth for, I think it was the last birth I did in Barcelona um, I won't go into names, really lovely couple. Um, and they were squatting and they didn't have much money, but they put every, their, the belief that she could have the home birth that she wanted, she just manifested like all the support. And now they're like buying a house. Don't even get me started. Like the amount that it it came from like, I'm only going to give birth this way and I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know how I'm going to manage to pay the midwife, but all the money, they were able to pay everything beforehand. It was like, they just nailed it. Um, And so that specific client, and I know she wouldn't mind me saying this because I know this is, she says, there's no excuse. I have zero dollars. There is no excuse that you don't go for the birth that you want. Mm -hmm. And she's such an amazing example of that. And her baby just turned one. Happy birthday to him. Wow. Yeah. Or their baby, I should say, the the couple. So I think they're, they were such a good example of that. And I really like to remind people of that. I'm like, if they did that, anyone can do it. Anyone. So that's the first thing I would say. And that goes for postpartum as well. The, the, post, the experience that you want, you deserve. Mm. And if you believe it, you will make it happen. Mm. Period. Like, especially with birth, because we have another person coming in and they also want us. But it's so it's not just you trying to manifest things for yourself. You've got like two double energies like it's going to work. Trust me. Um, That's the first thing. I think the second. Wow. What else would I tell someone? Have fun. Enjoy this time. Have fun. Relax. It's not a big deal. It's intense. But it's not a, it's also like, it's a big deal, but it's not a big deal. You're just going to give birth. It's a huge deal, but it's not a big deal at the same time. Let's not make a fuss about it. Like, enjoy, have a good time. Like, this is going to be the most powerful thing you've ever done, probably ever. Mm -hmm. So have fun. Enjoy your time being pregnant. Enjoy this. Enjoy this moment without the baby. Enjoy the moment when the baby comes. Enjoy, enjoy every moment for what it is. Um, and what else? Is there anything else? Educate yourself. Educate yourself on what birth is. To the way that you is fit for you. Some people don't want to know everything. And I think that's okay. But I think there's a basic amount that people should know mm-hmm. for themselves. And everyone can figure out what that is for themselves. Educate yourself. Prepare yourself. And that I'm speaking to both by the way, all those things I'm speaking to like both partners, except for the middle one, which is about having fun while you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. But maybe for the dad or or the partner, it's like have fun, 
in this time, you know, honoring your woman. I would tell the man just like, just like adore the feminine. I would just be like, just do that. Just do that. However you see that fit, just do that. And also take take care of yourself and, and um, you know, also if they hire a doula or a midwife, like she's there for the, for the dad as well, or the partner, whoever's there. I love everything that you said. Mm. Thank I you. think the most important part that you said is you can have the birth and the postpartum experience you want. Yeah. yeah. It might not go. That's the thing. It might not go the way that you think you want to have. But you can, like, if what's important to you, like, you can't make it go a certain way. Things do happen. Like, that's just a fact of life. Sometimes things are different in a good way, sometimes in a bad way. But, like, that's almost irrelevant compared to the support that you have. And I have, this was on one of my podcast episodes, my dear sister, she won't mind me saying her name, Elise. She's in one of my, the 222 episode, Silas's story. She was, I was her doula. She became a doula after this. She has another baby now, but it was a stillborn, surprise stillborn. Like it all happened in one day, full term, you know, horrible, like not nothing that you would ever want. But before she had the best midwife, she was planning a home birth. She had hired a doula. She surround, amazing partner deep connection to her sexuality. She surrounded herself with everything that she needed. And of course, that doesn't take away from the tragedy. This is a more negative circumstance, but she had the power to heal because she surrounded herself with the support. And now that's not going to be most people's case. I'm not trying to scare anyone. I'm just saying no matter where anything goes in the most extreme direction or not, you create the support system. You don't create, and that will help create a certain kind of birth mm. experience and postpartum experience. But you need to, if what you want is a beautiful experience, then surround yourself with beautiful people. If what you want is to be supported, surround yourself with people who support you, period. Mm. You know, that's that's what it is. And then, and then birth will take its course for sure. Mm. I think it's also being very intentional about it. Yeah. Yeah, what's are you, are you do you have plans for your birth? I maybe do. you're talking about I'm assuming you're doing a home birth, but maybe not. I'm not going to say what I'm okay, doing. Okay, you tell us later. Um, <laughs> I can't wait to find out. Oh, maybe I'll tell you after we're done recording what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I have I have thought about this like like you before I even got pregnant I watched all the documentaries I read all the books cuz nice. I knew I knew it was going to happen one day and I didn't want to spend my pregnancy like frantically like in research mode cuz it's such a yeah. soft time of softness that I wanted yeah. to just kind of like I wanted to if anything I'm developing like more of my intuition and my psychic abilities right now than I am like let's learn about birth Great I think that's probably all that's needed then for it uh, yeah. Um, but one thing that I've kind of come to learn is that women are afraid to claim what they want. Yes. Right. And I think when you are pregnant and you are the psychic portal that is just like opened up to a soul to incarnate, you are probably more vulnerable in the world that we live in because of the way the world is structured and the very mind, very masculine than you ever are. And I think it's so important 
to know what it is that you want and to trust that, like to trust your knowing. Um, Absolutely. And it's such a good example. Like you, I'm really happy you've been talking about your experience and sharing so much um, in your podcast, because I think it's really important for women to know that like, this is something we can learn about before we get pregnant. Even if you would never want to be a mother, I think just us being able to tell stories of what it is to be a woman, which is, which is also not totally defined by pregnancy and stuff. Like you can, you can be an amazing woman and never have a child or want a child or whatever. That's totally fine. Um, But just stories of our, you know, a lot of people will argue this now that like, being a woman is just an identity and not biologically connected, but I'm sorry. We're also souls embodied. And uh, like, I'm not afraid to say it that that might be someone's identity for sure. But like for me and for many, many women, I know part of our identity as women is completely imbued in our body, not separated. We're not floating identities above our bodies. The female experience is birthed through the body often, mm-hmm. for myself at least, and for many women I know. So, you know, all this in- hyper-intellectual separation of identity and biology and all this stuff, for me, no, there's no separation. They're they're woven together in like a beautiful tapestry. And, you know, I'm not just my body. I'm not just my feminine functions at all. I'm not just defining myself through them. But a lot of my experience comes and weaves through that. Yes. As well. And I'm not afraid to say that. And I, if it offends someone, well, people are allowed to be offended. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. Just like I'm allowed to say what I want to say. <laughs> exactly. So I think just women being able to have these stories of what it means to be a woman and and everyone's going to have a different story of what that means. There's no one way. But I think for a lot of us sitting in circle and a lot of women um, probably who listen to your podcast or maybe mine as well. Um, there is there is a, a connection through our womb and its functions, mm-hmm. you know, and and in interwoven in our identity. If we're if we're able to talk about all these womb womb stories, not just the bad ones. We, it's either hush hush or bad. That's what we've grown up with, and it's like, excuse me, mm-hmm. thank God for my mother because she was giving me lots of positive stories. Mm-hmm. And man, she really she did a really good job with that. I I've, I'll never I've given her credit on the internet many times for that, and I probably really i i really owe her a lot in that regard um and i think just being able to talk about all these things from a really young age and why not why shouldn't children grow up knowing that birth is could be this really cool event even mm-hmm. if they don't ever want to give birth and they just know that it's really special that she did that yeah how would you like as I, I know there's a lot of fear also that comes up with the whole idea and the whole the whole the, the whole the end the end of this process is birth how do you what, how would you tell someone what would you say to someone to help with the fear to kind of work mm. with the fear like the fear of giving birth I always ask people what their 
because again, this goes into like the specifics of each person. I, when I'm working with people one-on-one, I ask them, what is your biggest fear? Because for some people they'll say, oh, a C-section or surgery is really scary. Or some people say crowning sounds scary or tearing sounds scary. If that is something that could happen. Some people are like, oh, the contractions, that sounds really crazy. Some people are like, I'm afraid of being a mom. Some people are like, I'm afraid it could be a totally outside force that social services is going to take my shot. You know, everyone has a totally different fear and it's normal to be afraid. It's normal to have some nightmares when you're pregnant. It's normal to, to, for these things to be coming up. Um, some people could be like, I'm afraid of this or that happening in the birth. I'm afraid of my baby dying. Some people aren't afraid of that. Some people are afraid of their own bleeding or whatever it might be. So I think, it's hard. I, I really want to know what that person's fear is. And I think the best thing to do is to just talk about it. You don't have to talk about it too much. Just get it out. Shake it out with your doula or your midwife or your – maybe not the partner too because he might have his own fears. And that that's like a different subject, what you get out with your partner. But I think really talk to your support system um, about what your fears are. And also, I, this is a really hard pill to swallow, but birth and death are not fully in our control. We can ride the waves for sure. We can educate ourselves. We can, but we can't just completely, we can't, it's, it's not up to us. And a lot of it is about surrender. Mm -hmm. So get your support system in place. 99.999% of the time, you don't even need your support system at the end of the day, but you need it like, you know, emotionally. Mm -hmm. Most, almost always, you're just going to give birth and it's going to be fine. But Mm -hmm. of course, there are things that can happen. Just like you're probably going to get into a car and drive to the grocery store, fine. But it could happen that you do get in an accident. Like, you know, but you're not going into your car every time wondering if you're going to get into an accident so it's kind of the same i think it's like what's the point it couldn't happen put your seatbelt on you know that mm-hmm. so that's kind of you know what i would say is like get your support system in place so that your job is just to give birth mm-hmm. and if you want someone there for whatever the fears might be then get those people there mm-hmm. have the people there that make you feel supported so your only job is to give birth um, and it's okay to be afraid, but be, but also be honest because some people, um, they're, they really, for example, like they really want a natural birth because they read in a magazine that that's what they should do, but that's not actually what they want. What they really want is an epidural and that's okay. I'm not saying that with judgment. So be honest. If you're really afraid of the pain, either work through that. Mm-hmm. Or just be honest about what's best for you, you know? So I think talk about what you're afraid of and be honest about what you want. Don't want something because some ideology told you to want it. Mm-hmm. Um, but educate yourself first because then you'll be able to sort through what's ideology and what's not and mm-hmm. and such. Yeah, that's what I would tell them. Yeah, I, I think the... I love that you said it's like addressing your fear because I, I I believe that it's like there's so much emotional work that goes into birth as well. 
and the focus always kind of tends to be on the physical like what am I going to put in my body and walking right. and all this which is great which is you should be doing that because it's it's important but I think the emotional aspect of it is so important too because it's like it brings up a lot in people especially if you don't really know yourself or haven't really looked into your relationship with yourself or you know your partner or whatever um, but I like that you said it's just it's okay to have the fear it's okay to work through it and understanding like where your fear is coming from right yeah yeah exactly and also it's okay to have that and not fully heal it just as long as you are aware that it's a fear not a fact mm. just be you don't have to fully heal you don't have to overcome all your fears you just need to be like, this is a fear. Now, if the fear is totally incapacitating you, then that's something you need to address. But you need to just be like, this is a fear, not a fact. Yeah. And, and also, I, yeah. I was going to say also noticing, I know for me personally, like the fear will take me into my mind and disconnect me from my body and what my body's really feeling and what my body's really saying. And mm -hmm. so it's like, for me, it's always been coming back into my body and be like, oh, it's a, that's a fear. This is what, this is what I actually feel. This is what I actually know. Yeah. I mean, fears have nothing to do with fact. Mm -hmm. And I think being able to sort through what's intuition and what's fear, because sometimes our intuition does tell us something we don't want to hear. That's for sure a thing, but it will come calmly. Like fear will always be heat. It's like, yeah, it's like this weird thing that happens in the mind, right? So I think just, yeah, talking about your fear, addressing it and understanding that it's a fear. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. Is there anything else that yet, that's on your heart that you'd want to share that um, that's come through that we haven't touched? Yeah, I just want to say, like, I'm sure it's mostly a female audience and we were talking a lot about um, sexual energy and the importance of it. But that I just want to say that also goes for men. We're just we happen to be talking about the womb this time, but I think it's equally as important for men to get in touch with that as well. Cause they're also, especially with birth, they're planting the seed mm -hmm. and, um, and when they want to, you know, how they want to use their energy is equally important. So I want to say that that, that whole connection to the sexuality is for all people. Okay. I totally agree with you there yeah <laughs> but yeah I think that's it yeah because like I'm like I'm like do I want to ask any like logistical questions on like the birth itself or like pregnancy itself but is there? Is I mean there I'd love to hear like oh yeah any logistical questions about I just want to remind people that like we've been doing this for millennia like it's a perfectly designed thing and I, that doesn't mean you always have a desired outcome. Yes, death happens rarely for the mother, but still, I guess sometimes. But death does happen in birth sometimes. Like, I know that's like the worst outcome. It's rare, but it, well, it rare depending on, well, miscarriage is not rare. So I don't know, but, but it's rare, but, um, but that doesn't mean it's bad or that it didn't work. Because it happens to elephants, it happens to giraffes, and but also 99.9% .9 of the time, it's just with a baby breathing at the end, you know? So 
just because it's not exactly what you want also doesn't always mean it was bad in the eyes of nature. Mm-hmm. So I want to say that it's a perfectly designed natural thing. And um, yeah, and actually nutrition and hygiene is really the, the only reason that people used to die a lot in childbirth is not because birth doesn't work in certain cultures. It's because of hygiene and nutrition, period. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it. So otherwise, when those things are in order, it really, 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 really works. <laughs> so do you have anything you'd, you'd share in terms of nutrition part of it? Mm. Everybody's different. And I think our ancestral diet has a, like, if you're from a purely Scandinavian country, or if you're from a purely Indian country, or you're from a purely, I mean, a lot of us are, I mean, all of us are mixed something, but you know what I mean? Um, if you come from a place like Northern, like Scandinavian, not for everybody, but for many people, like those were places that didn't have so much seasonal vegetables. It was more like, you know, canned, like they'd have to preserve certain veggies and only certain veggies grow. And it was a lot of meat eating. So they would get all their nutrition through meat. Um, because the animal would be able to get all that and then they would get it all through that. So just be, tr- just trust your, what I'm saying is we have a lot of things, vegan, vegetarian, like maybe just drop that before you get pregnant and just truly and intuitionally eat what your body is telling you to eat. Because I think I'm menstruating in a pregnant woman and it also your it really matters preconceptually as well, especially the three months before. So if you're actually planning on having a baby, start to make these changes before. I think Um, I don't, I don't really eat meat. I have fish sometimes, but I would definitely consider it if I was trying to get pregnant and, um, yeah. And maybe you don't need to eat meat. Maybe I would say like vegetarianism is really subpar, really like you can do it. It can work, but mm, unless that's ancestrally what you guys, so maybe in certain Indian cultures, it totally is fine because that's their ancestral diet. So again, this plays into, what are genetic coding of what we need to build the blood because your blood volume is going to increase a lot and the blood is the carrier of nutrition and spirit and all this stuff. So get, you know, have a nutritious blood supply is basically what I'm trying to say and get in touch with what that might be ancestrally for you and what, just what your intuition says. So there's no rules. Um, but veganism Maybe, maybe some people can make it work. I don't know. I don't want to say no, but you'd have to really, you'd have to make it your full-time job to eat and like know everything that you're eating. And that just sounds like a, like a headache. Interesting. <laughs> I, it, I'm having a vegan pregnancy. Oh, cool. Well, but maybe for you, like that, maybe because of ancestrally and stuff that it totally works because I'm assuming you come from a more vegetarian background too. Yeah. Yeah. My mom, my grandma. Everybody yeah, and you feel good? Um, so this is interesting. My I've always had low iron in my blood, um, mm-hmm. which is like there's more in the tissue than more circulating in the blood. And I, um, my ferritin was low in my blood work or whatever. And that got me thinking, because I remember you were talking about this in the episode with Marguerite yeah. about iron in the blood. And I wanted to mm-hmm. ask you about that. 
I think iron is lunar, I think. So all the, then you can go into alchemy and all the metals that are connected to, um, all the metals that are connected to different planets and stuff. But I, I actually think just physiologically, we need more copper, which is connected to Venus. Yes. Um, which is connected to Venus, which makes a lot of sense. Um, so, and I know oysters have a lot of copper, but I'm sure there's other things that are, vegetarian that do i think you just if you're vegan i I mean i'd love to hear how it is i think it's probably better for you than for most people having come from a vegetarian ancestral background so you know but i i think you just have to really know and add a lot of stuff and but i'm sure it will be fine it was interesting because i was listening to your podcast when you mentioned that and then i found this other person I think his name is like Mineral Shaman. And they were t- they were talking a lot about the copper, magnesium, iron, what's the other one? retinol, the, all this like trifecta, the diamond of how it's like every single cell in our body with a mitochondria is running on that. And how the uh, copper is actually very like um, fear. It creates a lot, not copper, sorry, iron, too much iron in the body makes you really fearful, very reactive. Mm-hmm. Whereas copper is like the balancing feminine uh-huh. to the iron. Which is Venusian. Which is very Venusian, which is very light. So like, actually they were saying that if you've actually had iron deficiencies your whole life, it's not that you need more iron, you need more copper in your system yeah. to, create, to create that balance. Uh-huh. And I was like, yeah. that is because, because my midwife was like, oh, you know, you just need to take more iron. I was like, something doesn't feel right about that. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't need more iron. I need something else. And I went and like, of course, I love how like my guides and my team work this way. Like they just put a podcast in front of my face and they said, yeah. listen to this. It's like, oh, you need more copper. And I've been sitting here and I'm like, how does like my great grandmother get copper in her diet? Like, how does she do that? Because she was vegetarian. And yeah. every everyone else is like everywhere that I re- has read is like, oh, like you need to have oysters or cod liver or like beef liver. And I'm like, well, we don't touch beef because I come from Hinduism and like the cow yeah. is sacred. Yeah, yeah. So it was yeah. just it was just really interesting, just seeing how those are all playing together. Yeah, because I think the just like menstruation, menstruation is is flushing out the building block for a pregnancy basically. And so the foundation of life is blood, right? The foundation of life is blood. And I think there's a really deep spiritual connection here that um, the contents of our blood, the health of our blood, that's why, you know, I'm not even going to get political here, but don't take substances that alter your blood, no matter if it means you can travel or not or maybe just consider it in a new way if you want to look at it more spiritually. Um, so, you know, I think the the blood and the metals in it, there's a lot of alchemy here um, that this goes into. And the ancients really knew what they were talking about with alchemy and all these metals. And yeah, it's really interesting. Now someone just introduced me to, um, my friend just introduced me to um, copper, as well in the blood so it's really interesting to hear all these all these things i don't know if you could get it in a supplement but i think probably yeah yeah it's it's one of those things where you don't want to supplement copper you need the most bioavailable form and interestingly enough like pumpkin seeds have copper in them and um 
you as a woman, I this is a crazy statistic I read. In the third trimester, the mother passes on 70 grams of copper to the baby's liver, which is 10 times more the amount her own body has. Wow. And I was like, where am I going to get all this copper from? Um, wow. And then, and then I, I, I was just looking through the foods I was intuitively eating, and I have been eating carrots every day. And I'm uh-huh. like, what's up with this? Yeah. And, I, and I Google it. And of course, there's like the, mm-hmm. the, the minerals that I, my body needs from this, but it's just super interesting. Yeah, it's crazy. Like how much that connection and that blood connection with the placenta and, you know, your blood doesn't mix with the baby's blood. There's like this mysterious filtration system. So it's really beautiful. Yeah, and I also feel like the other thing that I was just putting the two and two together for myself is when you are somebody who has low iron in your bloodstream, it also means there's a lot of fear in your system that you that you need to process out mm. because iron is is like very reactive and it binds to fear. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I, right. I, I, I don't know why. I see it as like a lower astral thing for some reason and like negative. Yeah. I haven't like, I haven't examined this enough to like really talk about it. But when I think of iron, it's very heavy. Yes. So maybe it also gives people a lot of grounding. Maybe for some people, it really, it binds them to earth mm-hmm. in the material world, which is not always a bad thing for some people. So uh, yeah, but that's really interesting. I think I'd really have to study like, like as a proper alchemist, these metals and get into that uh, mm-hmm. more, but a very interesting. Mm-hmm. But I do know that they say the the health of the woman's blood, which we've been told is about iron. I think there's more to it than that. So I don't want to tell people to go gobble up all their iron right now because I don't know if that's really the answer. But the health of the woman's blood has a lot to do with um, her bleeding afterwards and her mm-hmm. ability to heal as well. So they say, oh, she shouldn't have low iron. But I think there's more to it than just that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I feel that too. And it's interesting because of what I've been doing every day. I've been sending golden light through my bloodstream every day mm. um, just to purify the bloodstream and to just nourish it because I, I, do be, I do believe light is so, I don't know, it's like an energy of itself and cultivating and calling that into your body has been super good for me. That's what I just visually organically I decided to do meditation one day and like I send it to the I send it to my womb and the baby like with my hands every day Mm. but yeah Yeah. beautiful such a that's such an important I'm so glad you're sharing that because I think those kinds of things are very important oh yeah and talking to the baby every day yeah 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 Yeah. oh beautiful do you have any final words anything that you want to just give to any pregnant woman out there who's listening or who's going to get pregnant or is on this journey and this beautiful journey right now yes i know sometimes life doesn't happen this way but the more willpower you can put into it happening this way please do choose a man that you would want to be the father of your children or choose a partner if you're two women, like choose, choose a partner you would want to parent with. Choose someone who you look at and let the foundation that that child comes through is love, not just, oh, I just want a child. 
like create love and then from that create the child that's what i would say that's beautiful last thing before before we sign off where can everyone find you oh yeah yeah if you can also put this in the show notes um i have a website which is my name www.feliciasokal.com all my stuff is there but i also have a podcast called Wisdom Weavers. It's on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, some other ones that I don't remember. Um, there's some really cool episodes there. I think I've been on a few people's podcasts on YouTube. But yeah, my website, my Instagram is at Felicia Sokol. So also quite – and there's at Wisdom Weavers Podcast as well. At the Lunar Rising is my or yeah, at the Lunar Rising is my astrology one. But everything should be on my website. Yep, and all that will be in the show notes. And do listen to her podcast. They're amazing. You're you. gonna get so much out of them. I've listened to I think at least half half of them already. Yes. Oh, it's so nice to hear. Thank you. Thank you so much for your kind words. And thank you so much for letting me share and be on this awesome podcast as well, which I've started listening to just recently when you reached out, which I absolutely love. So yeah, thank you so much for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. Yay. It's my pleasure. 